you know, it's getting ready for March Madness, but it is year-round madness when it comes to recruiting. So that's what we're going to spend a lot of time on today at Locked On Bama. You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, there was a huge Under Armour event in Atlanta. A lot of dudes that Alabama is recruiting for their upcoming football teams of the future were participating in this. And uh, there were guys from the 2025 class, guys from the 2024 class, um, and some guys that really stood out. One of them is Ryan Williams, who's already committed to Alabama. Of course, a wide receiver from Sarah Land. Uh, Mr. Football in the state of Alabama uh, won the MVP for the state championship for Sarah Land in 6A this year as they destroyed Mountain Brook. Uh, just an unbelievable talent, and um, he looked great again. Yeah, on three named him the overall MVP of the event, or he was named overall MVP of the event, I think by on three, or, or I don't know how that worked, but uh, overall MVP, let's just call him that. And that's incredibly impressive for a kid that's literally in the 10th grade. I mean, these are 24 and 25 guys, so that means kids that are, as we speak, 11th and 10th graders. And for a 10th grader, and a, there were five stars there, Luke, five stars in the 24 group, and Ryan Williams was the MVP of the whole event, and, and he's a 25 guy. So, I mean, I don't know when the when the platitudes will stop and, and the exaggeration. There, there just is no way to exaggerate how good of a prospect Ryan Williams is. And how big of a deal it is for Alabama that he's committed there and is likely to end up there. Still a long way to go. And with NIL, you know, who, I mean, you know, there's more. If there ever was such a thing, now there's certainly not. But uh, gosh, Ryan Williams, just an incredible prospect. Other big, let me tell you a guy, how about this? That receiver from Central Phoenix City must be really good. I'm going to watch some film today. Of, uh, of the kid from, from Central Phoenix City is always producing big-time wide receivers. Uh, Cam Coleman. A, yeah, Cam Coleman, yeah. He goes there unranked, really unranked, and and, and now is like a five-star. I mean, he, he's going to go from a no-star to a five-star, and, and that that's, that's not unprecedented. It's just the nature of early rankings. But uh, on threes, Charles Power said he was the second best – he performed the second best out of anyone in the camp. Again, outperforming other guys, other five-star wide receivers. And he was considered uh, the number one 2024 wide receiver in the whole uh, camp. So uh, he does have an Alabama offer. He's a guy that you can expect to see really rise in the rankings. Uh, those are the names that stood out to me. I think Aaron Nolan, the 24 quarterback we're recruiting, did uh, really well. Julian Carroll, a 26 quarterback. Juju, who's among the best in the country in his class, he did well. K.J. Lacey did pretty well. Didn't end up ranked in the top ten, but but uh, did catch the eye of Charles Power, and K.J. Lacey continues to be a big deal. So uh, great group in Atlanta, unbelievable group. But really, to me, the, the stories insofar as Alabama, Luke, is Ryan Williams and, uh, and Coleman from Central Phoenix City. 
Yeah, for those who don't know, Cam Coleman is from Central Phoenix City. Uh, he's six feet, three inches tall. Um, he, he's just really competitive at the catch point is what they say about him. Um, he's, he's just physical. And uh, I think that's awesome. I mean, look, you could, you could get him uh, this year, maybe get Ryan Williams the next year. Uh, that actually wouldn't it be, would it be Ryan Williams? Yeah, it wouldn't be Ryan Williams the next year. Uh, that, that would be fantastic. So um, then some other guys that stood out, you mentioned Aaron Nolan. The thing about Aaron Nolan, I wonder, is Alabama still pretty hot and heavy after him? We've talked about him before, but you know, with Julian saying already in the fold, um, do, do you feel like Alabama still going after him pretty hard? Yes, uh, I think I, I don't know that they would necessarily take two. The thing is, now this is this is new quarterback recruiting, and that is, first of all, yes, Julian saying is committed, and we have every reason on the in the planet to believe he's going to sign with Alabama. But it's a long time from now in NIL, and and you don't want Julian saying all of a sudden getting some multi gazillion dollar offer somewhere. So now he's gone, and, and, and we don't have a backup plan. So Aaron Nolan's too good to be called a backup plan. But the fact of the matter is to wide net now at quarterback because you never know what's going to happen. To say nothing of the current roster of quarterbacks, this spring comes, for all we know, Dylan Lonergan's going to leave Alabama and go play baseball, and Jalen Milrow's going to transfer to TCU. So then, then you got to sign two, you know, in this class. So to me, the Aaron Nolan thing is just casting a wide net and, 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 and keeping him – like, hey, we are really interested in you, uh, but, you know, in terms of the what-if game. Um, some defensive guys that stood out, Sterling Dixon, who's already committed to Alabama from Mobile Christian. Uh, and apparently he's really uh, zoned in on Alabama. He's been recruiting for the Crimson Tide. Uh, that's a big positive. He uh, was considered one of the better defenders in the whole camp. Uh, and another guy that stood out was Jordan Ross from Vestavia. This is a guy – this is a name that just intrigues the heck out of me. I mean, I, I think he's got everything you want. Um, and Vest, here's the thing about Vestavia. Like, they're a great athlete. They're, they're a super athletic program. They got a dude that's going to play Belmont, um, play at Belmont for basketball next year. I mean, and, and Vestavia, actually, they got upset in the uh, AHSA playoffs uh, by Hoover. And I'm a little shocked by it because they, they got some dudes. They just got a great athletic program. But you don't hear a lot about them ever having, like, five-star, four-star dudes. Well, Jordan Ross seems like a high four-star kind of dude. He's um, He sort of goes against the grain. I mean, I always think about Vestavia like everybody's really good, nobody's great. Well, Jordan Ross appears to be great. Yeah, he's very intriguing, uh, interesting to me in terms of Alabama's interest level in him. I mean, you know, it's got to be high, and it is high, and he does, I think, even have an Alabama offer. Really, it's a, you know, like like the vast majority of offers. Alabama would really like to see him in camp this summer, measure him, and and and, and put him through Alabama-specific drills and that sort of thing. But he is a really good prospect. I'm excited about him. He did do well in Atlanta this weekend. Uh, kind of an edge guy, and, and you would think, gosh, a, a prospect that's certainly among the top five in Alabama, he's an automatic take, right? Well, just remember this Nick Saban's Alabama, and think of the edge prospects Alabama signed in the last class. Uh, Quay Rousseau, Yonze Pierre, Keon Keeley. There's a legitimate question at this stage. Is Jordan Ross in their class? Is, is he as good as those guys? Because that's who Alabama signs at that edge position right now. So, you don't want to take a lesser kid just 
because he's from Alabama. On the other hand, you want to prove uh, that he is that good because you don't want him to go somewhere else. And since he's from Birmingham, so I, I uh, I'm a fan for sure. Um, I, I think he's an interesting size right now, about six four two fifteen, which is a little wiry, but obviously has the frame to grow and add some good weight. So I, I, I'm a fan of Jordan Ross for sure. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what level of interest Alabama has in him. My guess as we sit here today, Luke, is that Alabama's going to end up having a, a, a big amount of interest in Jordan Ross and, and pushes him to commit at some point, um, assuming that uh, that Alabama can land him. Uh, but it was very impressive that he had this good weekend, again, because that Atlanta field at the Under Armour camp was uh, extremely impressive. Need to tell everybody about Built Bar now. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories and you want a Built Bar, go to Built.com and check them out. You can also get it at your local Walmart. You can go get it at your local Lifetime Fitness. I, that's where I get my Built Bars a lot of times. You can get them on Amazon. You can get them from Sam's Club. Uh, what makes these so good? Well, they're first of all, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. You can't beat that. They also come in unbelievable flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie and coconut almond. I mean, all you know, like it depends on what you want. If you're really sweet, then go for the... Uh, a peanut butter brownie. If you like sort of a little bit more refreshing palate cleanser, how about some coconut almond? Um, if nobody wants to walk around with a dirty palate. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that that's an inside joke. I shouldn't even like a friend of mine always talks about that. Uh, that's right. Head to your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club or Lifetime Fitness or Amazon, uh, which is your nearest one is on your computer, uh, and go get you some Built Bars or go to Built.com and check them out. You'll love these things. Absolutely delicious and nutritious. And look, they won't make you gain weight. They That is what is so crucial about these. They taste good and they can be like a meal supplement for you. So go to Built.com and try any of the multitude of flavors of these wonderful Built Bars. Also checked out, check out Locked On uh, College Basketball. It's a lot of fun. It's getting close to tournament time, and these guys are going to have it covered every which way from Sunday. So go check out Locked On College Basketball. They're part of the Locked On family, so we appreciate them. Jimmy, I wanted to uh, use this particular time to talk a little bit of uh, odd and end stuff. Um, We'll talk basketball in in the third segment. First of all, Jaheim Otis. Mm -hmm. He – has lost in weight the equivalent of a fat fourth grader or a skinny fifth grader. I'm not sure which one it is, but he lost about 101 or two pounds um, in about a year, which is pretty impressive. Um, and so Jaheim Otis, he could be that guy coming up on this next season. He had a great freshman season, uh, unbelievable uh, drive that he has. Reminds me of Deron Payne, who had gained a lot of weight, showed up at Alabama heavy, and then just basically turned into the hardest worker on the team, built himself into a first-round pick, and now he's having a great NFL career. Otis sort of reminds me of that, where he showed up super heavy and then uh, probably worked as hard as anybody has on the whole team. I think he'll be Alabama's best defensive lineman this Fall. Maybe not the best pass rusher, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, your job up front in a two-gap defense like Alabama has is to be disruptive, to 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 control your gaps, uh, to free up the linebackers to make tackles in the run game, uh, and, and occasionally to push the pocket and get after the quarterback. I think Otis is uh, a probably a, a future first-round pick. Uh, which is saying a lot because we weren't saying that when we signed him. Not not that when we signed him, we were going, oh, what is Alabama doing? Don't take that guy. Uh, we weren't saying that. But I don't remember any of us saying, certainly not me, that, that, that oh, here's a future first-round pick. 
But uh, who would have known he would transform his body like this? And what a story. Uh, and Alabama's defensive line, really interesting uh, this year, Luke. Uh, six guys coming back with lots of experience playing with the first team. Uh, Justin Aboigby, Jaheim Otis, Tim Smith, first team players uh, for a couple of seasons. And even behind them, Jamarian Latham, uh, Jamil Burroughs, and Damon Payne all played with the first team last year uh, for, for ver in various situations and, and, and for a number of snaps each week. So you're returning six guys who have played with the first team. But uh, So that's a real deep group, which is great. Uh, but Jaheim Otis, in my mind, is the star of the group. He's the best player in the group. And uh, I think he's going to be a first-round pick uh, one of these days. Uh, he's, he's a heck of a football player. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I think he's awesome. I think he had a great freshman year, and uh, so I'm looking for him to have a little bit more of an explosive second year after losing all that weight. I don't want him to lose too much weight, though. I mean, 100 pounds is a lot of pounds to lose. Um, one other thing I want to throw out, and then we'll talk about just basketball in general, but I just thought this was kind of funny. Uh, I mean, just so obvious. Uh, Nick Smith Jr., who had a wonderful one-week stretch for the University of Arkansas and is a fabulous freshman. He's unbelievable. He was named SEC Freshman of the Week. Oscar Shibway, who, you know, averaged somewhere in the 20s and somewhere in the teens when it comes to points and rebounds, respectively, he was named SEC Player of the Week. I get both of those things. I get each of those guys being named each of those things. But you're telling me Brandon Miller had 41 points and then 24 points, and Brandon Miller, who hit the game winner against South Carolina and um, who had 24 points against that same Arkansas team with, I think, Seven, six rebounds and and against South Carolina maybe had eight rebounds. You're telling me he didn't just he didn't uh, wasn't justified in getting one of those awards. And again, I get it. They just don't they don't want to fall in some of the optic trap that Alabama fell into. I get that because if they had named him freshman of the week or player of the week, it might be like, well, why are you doing that? I get it, except I don't get it. I mean, it, I understand. I'm just I just think it's they should have a category that says clearly we would have named this man one of these two award winners, but we couldn't because we didn't want to face the backlash player of the week award. That's what they should have. That'd be a long thing to put on a trophy, but that's what they should have. Yeah, Alabama hasn't gone far enough PR wise, as we know from the MMA, you know, pat down thing. Alabama hasn't gone far enough in terms of protecting the brand. Uh, I, I, hey, protecting the brand. Brandon Miller. You get it? That's oh. what we're doing. You get it? Wow. Okay. That's we're gonna use we're gonna use this going forward. Why don't we have a PR team? <laughs> we, With your we, listen, we need one way worse than Alabama does. In the famous words of Bart Simpson to to Millhouse Van Hooten, with your book smarts and my ability to exploit people with book smarts, we can go far. <laughs> So protecting the brand uh, is something that Alabama, ironically, hasn't really done. And the SEC just now proved how you do this. It's 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 when you don't say that you are kowtowing to the angry mob with the pitchforks and, you know, and the lanterns outside. You're 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 not admitting that. But that's exactly what they did. And maybe Alabama should have done some of that. It, it just to me, Luke, it's it's like. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be happy with any of it, but it's like 
Alabama didn't go far enough, and now the SEC just went too far. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's how about like, this? It's like, how about this? If what it, the SEC got kind of lucky because Nick Smith had a, a, a week worthy of being SEC freshman of the week. Oscar Shibway had a week worthy of being SEC player of the week. If either of those guys just sort of do, you know, three quarters of what they did, I think they're forced to give Brandon Miller one of them, or it's way too obvious. Like, it's pretty obvious to me that that's what they did to begin with. But if Nick Smith only – he averaged like 25 points a game. That's pretty incredible. But if he only averaged – If he only averaged like 18 points a game and then Brandon Miller didn't get it, I think the SEC would look pretty bad. As it it stands, they can make the argument. They can make the argument that they did it legitimately, even though we know they didn't. And they can't give it to Brandon every week, or maybe they could, but Brandon's won both awards multiple times. Uh, it'll be, hey, and in, and in the end, in the end, Brandon's going to be the SEC player of the year. I mean, so they can't stop will, that. that. I don't think they'll stop it, nor, nor would they stop it. And, uh, and that's what's going to happen. But again, my thoughts on it haven't changed since we talked last is, is that I don't believe Alabama should have suspended Brandon Miller or expelled him. I really don't, not even for a single game. Uh, but that said, Brandon made mistakes that night. Uh, this has been a terrible look for Alabama. Alabama's been in a tight spot. I think Alabama PR-wise uh, butchered it uh, uh, the day of the hearing. Uh, they dropped the ball. They fumbled that day, and then they fumbled again Saturday. Uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, again, that doesn't mean anyone should be fired. But it's okay, you know, Alabama fans, it's okay for Alabama fans to go, you know what? We didn't do – it's no different than when the team doesn't play well. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to say, well, that wasn't good. <laughs> that wasn't performing to our expectations, you know, okay. as, as, as fans. It's a, it's okay to criticize. Just because you criticize doesn't mean you want people fired or, or suspended. Uh, but Brandon no doubt made mistakes. Uh, I, I think this the one thing I'll say on it today that I haven't said before is, you know, I would love, I don't know these things and no one listening knows these things, but I would really love to know everything that Brandon knew starting before they went in the car to go out. And so I would know, okay, at what point should Brandon have pulled the plug on the night? At what point? And see, I don't know. Maybe the answer is when he got the text. Or maybe the answer is when they're like, all right, let's go to 1225 and check it out. And Darius grabs, you know, a gun. Maybe that's the point where Brandon's like, whoa, whoa, not signing up for this. Didn't yeah. I said I'd give you two a ride, not you three a ride. Um, I, 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 but again, I don't know. Now, different people have different opinions. But the fact of the matter is, and I'm talking to Alabama fans. I'm talking to Luke. I'm talking to... I'm not going to say his name without kick, and I can't even believe I just said outkick. Uh, Walton, <laughs> Wetzel, everyone on ESPN, I'm talking to all you guys. We don't know what Brandon knew, and it is not fair for everyone to assume. And there's been way too much assuming. So I don't know the answer, but I will say this. I think very likely at some point Brandon should have pulled a plug on the evening before it got to the point it did. But I would like to know step for step, okay, at 5.30, what did you know? At 6, what did you know? At 6.15, what did you know? At 1.15 in the morning, what did you know? 
but I don't know that. So I'm not going to attack the kid who, by the way, here's who knows a lot. The DA's office, the sheriff's office, then charge Brandon with the thing. So all the more reason not to assume a whole lot. Jimmy, let's take a break. When we come back, I uh, want to just talk about uh, some basketball stuff in general. Jimmy, we're back. You were kind of shaking your head right there. Were you shaking your head just because you you saw something you didn't like or you, was it, no. you said something you didn't like? No, uh, it's just still I get kind of emotional over, over the Miller situation because I, I don't like uh, uh, the criticism. But at the same time, but at the same time, uh, it, it, there is some level of criticism that is due, and I get fresh. I'm always. It's just like anything else, politics, which we don't do here. But you know, if if you want to get me frustrated, be an extremist, and I don't care. What, I don't care what side. I don't care if it's right or left. I I, I think the extreme rightists and the extreme leftists—they're all crazy and ruining the world. Uh, same thing in this Brandon Miller thing. It, it, the the he the the people at Outkick, they're, they're, what they're doing is outrageously, you know. And secondly, uh, the Alabama fans are just a nothing burger. No, it's not a nothing burger. And Brandon most likely did make some poor choices that night, and it's okay for us to say, "Hey, Brandon, you need to do better, pal." You know, Jimmy, the problem with that, and we're not going to get off on a rant. But the only thing that sells is extremism. Nobody wants to say, you know, in today's news, there wasn't a lot that went on. There were some things that went on. And, and you know, some politicians told some white lies, but no big deal. They want to hear you say, uh, this politician lied about something in 2007, and we've got the proof. You know, and, they, and people want to say, Brandon Miller knew about everything about this. And he was complicit in this entire thing. And that and he deserves nothing but the electric chair. Or Brandon Miller didn't do a dang thing wrong at all. He had no, uh, he didn't know, he was volunteering at his local church at the food bank and just happened to run upon this situation. And he tried to defuse it, but he couldn't. He's Superman. It's the, 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 the truth in the middle. But um, right. uh, so basketball-wise, though, having said all that, here, here's the yeah. thing that, that has dawned on me. I'm glad you said that about it. you get emotional about this. Yesterday I was in the car with my wife, and, you know, she's Alabama fan, went to Alabama, but doesn't care too terribly much. And she was like, tell me about this. So I started talking about it. And about midway through, she goes, Luke, you're yelling. And it's just me and her in the car. And I said, I know. I said, I'm just – I said, I'm fired up about this for, like, a bunch of different reasons – but one for me personally, this is just me personally. You know, here we have this this wonderful season that, that's being drugged down a little bit. I know something tragic happened. I know that there's more important things in basketball. I understand all that. I, I get every bit of it. And I'm not trying to compare the two situations, but it is uh, in terms of the way I think some fans feel a lot like the Auburn Cam Newton situation in 2010, where. I just happen to know some Auburn fans that felt like they couldn't enjoy it the way they wanted to enjoy it because there was so much swirling around it. And um, that's kind of the way it feels right now. But I keep telling myself, you know, eventually you just get through it. And if you win an SEC title, you, you know, you'll still have that on the resume. And this, this will never go away. I'm not trying to disrespect it, the, the tragic event that happened. I'm not trying to do that. I want everybody to understand. And it feels like if you, if you talk about anything, if you don't say that, uh, either as a footnote or at the very beginning, then, uh, you know, people think you're heartless. I, I 
I wish this whole thing had never happened. I mean, it's horrible. At the same time, it, it just it's a weird cloud over everything right now, over a time that should be awesome and, and a turning point for the university in terms of sports. But now let's talk about the rest of the way. Um, some really interesting games coming up. You got Arkansas and Tennessee. Uh, I don't even know who I'm pulling for. I'll tell you something else I looked at. The prospective bracket Alabama may have to go through uh, in the SEC tournament. <laughs> I don't know how the number one seed gets a worse bracket than they could possibly have because Argon we may end up playing Arkansas or Mississippi State, um, both of which may be fighting for the NCAA lives and both of which have, have given a fought us tooth and nail. Um, and they're better than their records indicate. And then we could have to play a Tennessee team that just beat us up pretty good physically in Nashville uh, is where we'll be playing, which is, if you don't know, is in Tennessee. And then, of course, we'll play who's ever on the other side of the bracket, which probably be Kentucky because they're playing so well. It'd, it'd be a, a yeoman's task. It really is. Uh, I wouldn't say, Luke, that I think the SEC is brutal. I've seen the SEC uh, have better years than this in terms of the number of high-quality teams. Uh, it's also not down because there's so many good teams. Uh, but it, it's just really tough uh, uh, group. And I think starting Friday, when you when you get down to the last eight teams in the SEC on Friday, there's no games off. There's no good draw. Friday, you're playing somebody good. Somebody, some you're playing Friday even as the number one seed. You are playing someone on Friday that is a good basketball team that could beat you. Saturday, you're playing a team that you could see in the Sweet 16. And Sunday, you're playing a team you could see in the Final Four. I mean, that's just how it is. It's kind of like Friday is a second-round NCAA tournament game. <laughs> Saturday is a Sweet 16. And, and Sunday is a Final Four. I mean, I, that's, that's kind of how it is no matter – who you end up playing. There's just no good draw once you get to Friday. The good draws are for Wednesday and Thursday if you have to be playing on those days. So uh, it is going to be hard. Uh, it's over season, though. I, I said even all those seasons when Wimp was winning the SEC tournament year after year after year, I was saying even back then when I was a kid uh, and a college student is that, uh, you know, winning the regular season is a, a tougher thing to do. It should be the more celebrated accomplishment than getting hot over the course of three days, uh, you know, playing a 14-16 and now an 18-game schedule uh, of SEC teams. That's the real trophy to me. Uh, but that said, uh, does Alabama have a chance to win the tournament? Of course they do, because one thing we bragged about all year, Luke, is Alabama's depth, uh, and you'll need it. You'll need all 11 guys uh, to win in, uh, in Nashville. You'll need all 11, and Alabama's 11 uh, matches up with anyone. All right, buddy, that's going to do it for this podcast. I was able to get in that one last mute right at the end. Good work by me. Well, you don't um, want to let down your fans. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Appreciate you a ton. Go check out Locked On College Basketball. Until next time, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.